0: Welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and today I have with me Tim Tonerai, who is professional CHRO and consultant. Welcome, Tim.
1: Great to be here. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm really excited to talk to you because we're going to talk about HR's evolution. But before we get into that, could you uh, give us a little background about how you got where you are today? And uh, I know you have a lot of, you've authored quite a bit of books as well.
1: (laughs) Sure, sure. So I am, uh, as you mentioned, a fractional CHRO and a, a career coach who specializes in performance and talent management. And what that means is I get to work with a lot of different organizations and help them build and change and grow. And that's just a, a fantastic opportunity that, that I've really enjoyed throughout my uh, career. And I am, an, I am an author as well. I've offered, authored 10 books and, you know, not to brag or anything, but copies are selling well into the several. Uh, so, you know, not, not the, uh, <laughs> the best selling author, but adequate, moderate, you know, moving towards meh. So it's kind of cool. I, I really do enjoy that that part of it as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I now own 20% of your books. <laughs> so I picked, up, I picked up two titles after we initially spoke because I thought that they could be really resourceful. So I'm really excited to dive into them. Right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit what you are specifically passionate about.
1: So I actually really love HR. I think it uh, adds a value to organizations and it's grown a lot in the last even just 10 years uh, for the value that it adds to an organization. I think the biggest challenge that HR has and faces is really one of an image problem and it's really, unfortunately, a self image problem. So, you know, we, I think we've all known the statement that says, you know, you get what you pay for. Well, the reverse is kind of true in that you pay for what you get. And unfortunately, don't really get HR uh, anymore. Uh, you know, you ask a, a recruiter what they do and they'll say they hire people and trainers train and payroll pays. But from there, it gets a little dicey, right? You, you talk to a generalist about what they do and you get like this awkward, long pause that happens. That, or they give you a laundry list of really good things, but then they stop and they talk about, well, I'm not a generalist, I'm a business partner, I'm a talent guru, I'm an employee ninja, or some kind of crazy thing like that. <laughs> and then they give it and say, well, actually, we got to talk about this table and why I don't have a seat. And they're really doing themselves a disservice because I believe that when you think about what HR does specifically these days, it really runs the gamut of an organization. They get involved in legal and QA and IT and marketing mm-hmm. and just so many different things that add value. And it, you know, I think they, they just need to, to realize that and realize the, the great work that they do within an organization. And that's starting to show up, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, so what did HR used to be, in your opinion? and How has it evolved?
1: Well, it's, it's funny. It, it really parallels the journey that IT has been on. If you think about it, you know, years ago, And I date myself a little bit, but IT used to be the folks who plugged in the projector, right? And now they add tremendous value to an organization in a bunch of different ways. HR used to be the folks that planned your parties and yelled at you when you got too crazy at those parties, right? I mean, they they did all of the paperwork and so forth. What HR has done over the last few years has really gotten into not only uh, very specific operational aspects that lets folks hire, train, reward, and retain the best possible people in industry, but then also add additional value as organizations look to grow and merge and you know, do other M&A activities that really runs itself across, the, again, the gamut of a company. And that just is not only cost-saving, but value-add.
0: Mm-hmm. So there are now all these little pockets that HR can you know, have I guess uh, tangible, you know, effects over in a, in a company now, you know, as opposed to just being in one department in one office. You know, it's it's basically all over the company.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you think about, you know, young folks coming up and thinking about HR as a career. And it's phenomenal because you can go and be a specialist in a specific discipline. You could build your life as a as a trainer or recruiter or compensation, or you could take a general career path that allows you to navigate not only within the boundaries of HR, but then actually outside of that. I've seen a lot of parallels between good hr folks going into project management uh, taking a pivot into finance or sales so there's a lot of different things that folks can do to be a general well-rounded business person and that's probably the biggest compliment you can get is when you're in a room with folks and they don't know you're in hr
0: yeah yeah Did you know so many different areas of business So I want to specifically talk about the marketing aspect. And I liked you used a movie trailer analogy when talking about the marketing aspect of HR. Can you get into that a little bit?
1: Sure, sure. So absolutely. These days, marketing, social media, branding are really important aspects of HR, specifically when you think about your talent brand and, you know. Every company has a talent brand. They may not be aware that they have one, but they certainly do. And you know, a couple of examples I think that we've all come across are, you know, the organizations that are maybe high-powered consulting companies and, you know, what they give you is really great pay, but it's a tough up or out environment that's going to require a lot of travel and long hours. Well, they don't put that on their website, but that's sort of the reality of the work environment. I know a company that's relatively close to where I am, and they're known as a great place to retire. The pay isn't that great, but the benefits are awesome and you won't break a sweat. Now, again, they're not going to put that on their their website, but that's sort of the story that folks tell. And when I think about a talent brand, what it basically comes down to is a story that's written about your company and told when you're not in the room. Mm -hmm. And so what, what Especially HR need to do is to take control of that story. And I think that's where I shared with you a little bit about that movie trailer. You know, we've all had that experience where we go to see a, a comedy. And when we go to, we saw the trailer, we go to see the, the comedy, and we're upset because all the funny parts were in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if you saw a trailer for this incredible space adventure and you were promised like laser battle fights and that sort of thing, and then you get to the movie. And they they give you a black and white romantic comedy and German song. You're going to walk out. You're not going to be happy. And so HR really needs to be very clear about what is it their trailer is saying and then be honest enough to keep the promises that were aligned in the trailer. And that takes work to make those two things align really well.
0: Mm -hmm. So where do you think HR is a little afraid to be transparent right now?
1: Some can be uh, about being afraid to it. And some is just uh, an awareness of what is out there. What is the reality? The harsh truth is it takes a lot of work to edit your story, to edit your brand. And companies, may have the best intentions to do the right thing. And I, I believe most people do have the best intentions, but then the day-to-day work gets in the way. So I'll give you an example. Companies you know, might say that we have the best training in the industry. And in fairness, their HR departments go and they develop incredible training for their employees. But when folks come into the organization, they might be too busy to ever take that training. Well, you've just broken your promise. Mm -hmm. Another example could be that you know we have great career paths at our company. So come join us because you can go up and sideways and ladders and lattices and all these wonderful things, but then you land there and the managers hoard talent because they say, that's my guy. You just broke a promise. So the hard work is, is actually auditing the reality and then making a real choice between, and it's always a hard choice. Do you want to edit your promise or do you want to edit your reality?
0: Yeah. And you have to put some ego aside with both of those uh, because, you know, if you're a leader, you're so tied together with your mission and it's become part of you. So, how do you um, kind of coach leaders to step outside themselves? and really kind of focus on, on, you know, those solutions.
1: It's challenging. And I think you're exactly right because there's ego that's wrapped up into it, but data faces off against ego really well, you know, and a videotape doesn't lie, right? A, A picture doesn't lie. It tells, it tells the truth of the reality. So once you put the data in front of folks, you get to see, okay, I know this is what we want to be known for, but. No one's talking about that. And let's let's now examine the reasons for that. So in the the example that I gave you, the harsh reality is, hey, maybe we need to retrain our managers to think of themselves not as hoarders of talent, but as developers of talent and actually reward them so that they actually get paid to develop folks and to, to see it as a win. That changes culture. That changes the whole alignment of an organization to fulfill your brand. The other thing, you know, is you might just say, that's a bridge too far. That's not what we want. We're actually, you come here, you work your butt off, and you, you kind of you pivot out in three years, and that's the reality. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong. It's just the honesty of what you do. That's the most important part, because then you, at least you keep your promises.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also want to talk about flexibility and how important it is with HR because, you know, for a long, long time, you know, there have been certain rules in HR that I think you mentioned are are taken as gospel on our intro call. And uh, what we're learning is flexibility is really, you know, the best way to manage things because not everything's going to stay the same forever.
1: It's true. I mean, there's a a difference between uh, law, policy, practice and habit. And I think sometimes HR has a tendency to look at habit and treat it as law. And Mm -hmm. when you look at what you do in an organization, you again, you have to audit your activities and say, am I just succumbing to a habit of this is the way that we've always done it, or this is what everybody believes. And if that's the case, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not allowing the flexibility to grow and to learn in an organization. Over the, the last 24 months, I think HR and all of the organizations have had to learn a lesson around flexibility. So, you know, for years, we thought that in-person work was the way to go. But what we've learned is, is that actually value makes more of a contribution than FaceTime. So we've learned that people can work remotely and do just fine. And, and that is challenged assumptions from the past. So we were able to overcome that. And that allows us to grow and, and work with organizations a bit better.
0: Mm-hmm. And I feel like workers learn about themselves a lot better when they have autonomy to kind of put the pieces of what works best or how they are most productive. So are you seeing more worker autonomy as a trend?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it used to be all about measuring the what and the how that people are able to do their work. So, you know, people really want to know what does greatness good look, look, look like? And then how will I be rewarded? You know, for that, and then will that be fair? Fair. So, you know, what I do, how I do it, make sure that that's aligned to compensation. Well, over the last twenty-four months, that has become table stakes. You have to do that. You have to have fairness and you know equity within you know how you do rewards and promotions. What's been added to that is the when and the why. You really have to give people a reason to join your organization, and then allow them to have flexibility to do work and contribute value on their own time, because everybody has lives. We've seen the dogs walk by the camera and the kids and, the, and that's just the way the world works and you have to adopt that.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I kind of like the dogs and kids walking by. It reminds us that we're all human. <laughs> we're all in this together. That's exactly right. So I want to uh, switch gears and talk about culture's importance in HR, because you mentioned that culture cannot be separate. It has to be you know, wrapped around performance.
1: Yeah. Performance is the key to everything. I think that starts um, with why we go to work, why companies are um, born in the first place. We all want to get something done and we want to do it well. And it's important, again, I always look to storyline to to make sense of things. And there has to be a really clear line that goes from the vision of an organization to the strategic imperatives that they have to the work that everybody does. And all of that has to make sense and be a clear storyline for folks. The problem is, is that companies make it too complicated for themselves. So we've all seen those vision, mission, and value statements that everybody gets really proud of and created them for you know, months and months and they put them on the wall. The problem with that is that there's a phenomenon that occurs when art becomes wallpaper. When the thing that you were so proud of and that you wanted to put in front of everybody disappears because you don't even see it anymore. And so the remedy for that is making so simple that you could stop people in the hallway and they will know exactly what are those two or three things that are critically important at the highest level or for folks to do. And then you could take the next step and look at goals and outcomes of those goals.
0: Mm -hmm. So I just thought of, you know, for startups, they often have to scale, 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 and they don't really... Think about <laughs> those <laughs> missions and culture values. So why is it so important to, you know, not let growth catch you up and, and make sure you keep your eye on the culture? And even like the first thing you do is, is establish the culture.
1: Well, because now more than ever, people have choices, right? They can work anywhere. You know, with in the last 24 months, not only can you transfer careers, but you're not landlocked by geography. You can do more things. So you really have to make a business case for why people should work for you. And part of that becomes, yes, there's a a mission that uh, we can all be a part of, but then more importantly, now we have goals that you can make a contribution to that mission and that you'll get paid and promoted fairly for that. So, you know, again, go back to the issue around what's taken as face value. We have more data than we've ever had before. Mm -hmm. People talk about equity and fairness and all that. To me, that's table stakes. If you're not doing that currently in your organization, and you haven't fixed that in a year, something's wrong with what you're doing. Yeah, it's straightforward. It's an easy fix. So, you know, that's where we have to really just again go back to keeping our promises, and HR should be the stewards of doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have any data examples that you know we know we all know data does not lie? So, um, what are some examples that data can you know completely uncover? Hey. Here's the proof of what's going on. Here's
1: the problem. Yeah, that's an awesome question. It's so, and because it's such a hot topic, right? When we look at some of these things, they're so emotionally charged and the way to get around the emotionally charged aspect of it is to look at your specific situation. So, you know, we've heard the, the, um, taglines, um, women make 70% on the dollar. And I just stop and I ask, I say, well, which women, what jobs talk to me about that? is that even applicable in my company? Or are you asking for me to solve a problem that does not exist? And so the first thing you have to do is to say, well, let's look at the data set that's relevant to our organization and see if there's truth there. And if there is, let's get on top of it. But let's see the reality of it. And it's funny. I've been in situations where I've looked at small companies and worked with small companies. And there was one really good example of an organization that grew from zero to 100 employees in just 24 months. And so it was a a wonderful data set. And we had coming on asking for, you know, when they came in for a job, they would say, well, well, what is your diversity policy? And what are you doing for pay equity? And what are you doing for all these things? So these are all great questions, but how are you making an assumption that there's an issue here? And when I looked Mm -hmm. at the data, you know, there were folks coming in aligned to salary guides, all within band, except for five folks. All five folks were women. They asked for more and got more. So in that particular instance, if you would apply what everybody thinks is a great idea, you'd say, well, it's not a problem. Actually, the reverse might be true. Should I be asking, you know, the young guys who are coming into an organization, hey, here's how you negotiate. (laughs) But there's no programs for that. So I'm very much into looking at, real data, and then practical examples that can benefit everybody. Because frankly, if you don't do that, it's a disservice for your organization. Because at the end of the day, you want the best minds to be working for you, doing the best work. And you can only do that through
0: fairness. Absolutely. And people also, they want to be engaged. They want to be proud of their work too. So what are some ways that, you know, leaders can help the, their colleagues, the people that, um, you know, they're employing feel really good about the work?
1: So part of it is describing the impact that the work has on the overall organization. I think that's, that's very good at, at a macro level. The other thing is, you, you know, you mentioned transparency, and I think that's really important, but it's a difficult thing to do, especially when it comes for performance, because sometimes folks don't understand how the, the changing nature of performance and how it could really uh, change on a dime. For a long time, you know, we've had this model in our head that says we're going to raise the bar of performance and we're going to, you know, go from uh, doing X to Y and that means great. Mm-hmm. And people set goals like that. They'll say, you know, if, if you sell five widgets, that's meeting expectations. And if you sell 10 widgets, well, then that's exceeding expectations. Well, what happens if somebody comes in during the course of the year and sells 100? What does that do to your model? So you have to be really transparent about the, the willingness to go well beyond what average performance is. And how does that you know, apply things? And I think that's kind of the model that folks to, uh, really need to understand. And it's funny, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this and used the example of, of Pele. and date myself a little bit, but you know, Pele was, was the best soccer player on the planet. At one point and you know growing up in in new york in the in the 70s right it was kind of the tail end of his career and he did something on live tv which was just truly amazing right so if you picture a, a group of folks playing um soccer going down the pitch one of his, his, his right winger kicks the ball and it looks like it's going to soar over everybody's head mm-hmm. and instead this guy levitates off the ground his back completely to the pitch right somehow kicks the ball over his head through the net for a goal live tv i mean it was so amazing that the people who were watching it they thought it was a camera trick because nobody believed a human being could even move that way but it was you know ultimately the bicycle kick which is famous and it was truly amazing but the amazing part of this was the very next day every kid in every neighborhood was trying to do that kick. Mm-hmm. So in an, what this guy did was raised a level of performance for everybody. You can't plan that. You just have to be open for it. And I think that's the aspect of performance that sometimes folks just don't get. They have to be ready for that excellence.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, hiring the best talent comes in too, because if you give those, them the opportunities to not be boxed in, to try to perform to their abilities, you really don't know what you could discover or what, how you could grow too. So, you know, always going back to like the autonomy to allow a person to kind of follow what, what they feel good about or what fulfills them in, in their job.
1: That's right. And, and your openness to see that in people all over the place, because you never know who's going to be you know, the next Pele, who's going to surprise you. And so, you know, that's where mentoring comes in and coaching comes in and giving people chances and taking risks and all of those things are incredibly important to see a, a growth of an organization. You just have to do it.
0: Yeah. So how, as a leader, do you listen to you know the people that you work with and help them find passions within an organization?
1: So it's interesting about bringing the coaching model to an organization where you have to put your agenda to the side and realize that it's all about them. It's all about what they want to do. And You know, you're trying to get to an outcome, and that outcome is to have the best performance for a company, but have the best outcome for the individual. And so when you're talking to somebody, I'm probably one of the the few HR guys that will say, Well, let's talk about your resume and let's figure out, you know, if this is the next step or there's somewhere else. Because what I found is the world is really small. And as much as it's painful to see somebody leave a company, if they leave because it's the right reason for the right time, they'll, most likely come back, right? Or they'll refer people to come back to you. And you create this stickiness within an organization. So it does this great service when you say, and people understand that you're putting your agenda on the side and even the company's agenda on the side and say, I want to take care of you and see that you grow. Hopefully it's here. It's okay if it's not.
0: And I feel like a lot of leaders have trouble uh, not taking it personally if a if, uh, employee leaves <laughs> because, again, you know, it's, you build a company and there's so much of yourself tied to it that it's really difficult, again, to put that ego aside. But, you know, it's for relationships. It's important to, you know, have that open door policy or have that supportive, you know, outlook.
1: It's true. I mean, I, and I think it's just the way that you look at things and if you are able to look at things a little bit differently. So, you know, for years, we've been talking about the war for talent. And to me, that's just a, a terrible analogy, right? Because nobody really ever wins a war. You just lose less than the other guy, right? What I've tried to do is is change people's mindsets and, and talk a little bit about a space race for talent, right? What you're trying to do as a as a manager is launch careers. And, you know, if you get yourself in the habit of, again, branding, going back to marketing, of being known as somebody who, if you work for me, you are not only going to learn things, you're going to have things tangible to put on your resume, you're going to be able to grow, you're going to be able to launch somewhere, okay? Well, yeah, it's it's painful for me to lose you, but now I have you out in this world as a brand ambassador to come work for me, and I have other folks that are lined up hopefully, to work for me again, because they've seen the results. And I think this is another area where HR should really push a little bit. You know, we sometimes get pressed around time to fill metrics in HR, right? Big staffing thing. Well, actually, while we have some accountability for that, I think actually managers own that. So if you have an open position as a manager, we've all been as, as you know, staffing professionals been in a situation where somebody has a job and it comes open, you're like, oh, it's no big deal. We'll fill it in an hour. And then other times when somebody ha- has a job open, and you're like, oh, no, man! we're never going to get this filled. Nobody's going to want to work for this dude, right? So it's tough. If you're a manager and you have people lined up to work for you, hallmark of greatness right there.
0: Yeah, because you, can't, you really can't force loyalty. You can't scare people into being loyal. <laughs> and loyalty comes because you are someone that is a worthy person to, to look up to. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I love that. So I'd love to just give you the um the platform to talk about what you're working on, anything that you want to promote, or any final thoughts.
1: No, I think you know just final thoughts. Um, HR is a you know phenomenal um, career for folks that are looking to either get into it or you know if, them, if themselves they haven't challenged themselves in a while to do something different. There's so many different opportunities to work in that environment. And you should, you should just take, take the opportunity to grow and learn. Uh, My big mantra always is regardless of what career you're in HR or otherwise is always to try to be better in December than you were in January. If you follow that, you'll have consistent improvement across your career.
0: That's amazing advice. I really love that. (laughs) Thank you again, Tim. It was a great conversation. I love your outlook toward the HR industry Uh, Again, I'm Lindsay, host of People Analytics. If you know of anyone who is great in the HR space and would like to talk, feel free to reach out to me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at Staffeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.